0: From the Brainswell Media Studios, this is
1: the Sales Training World broadcast with your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. Ryan is an Emmy winner, a certified business coach, and a 25-year sales and marketing veteran. He has trained over 4,000 sales professionals in seven countries, and he still sells today. No fluff, no bull. Tactical and practical sales and business advice to help your business go places you never thought possible. Welcome to Sales Training World, Now, your sales coach, your business coach, your host, Ryan Dorn. Hello, friends. Ryan Dorn here, and welcome to the Sales Training World podcast for the month of August 2017. Holy cow, it's August already. Kids going back to school. Summer is over. Oh, my gosh. Hope you got a chance to get away this summer and uh, take a little time off. I know a lot of salespeople that do not take advantage of that time off in the summertime, Get away from work, get away from that computer, spend a little time with your family, with your friends, the beach, the pool, in the mountains or whatever it is. Take some time off and, and recharge your brain and then get back to work, sell something, would you? All right, the Sales Training World podcast generates from the studios here at Brain Swell Media and Sales Training World and thrilled to have all of you here with us again this month. don't forget one of our favorite parts of the program is listener questions that's your questions the questions that you submit here to me and to the guests that i'm going to have uh, on each one of these podcasts Uh, this month we have a fantastic guest i am so excited uh, shamika tankerson is gonna be joining us uh, from the West Coast in Southern California, and she is just a powerhouse. She's a ton of fun. Uh, We've got some questions that are all queued up for her, so stick around and stay close uh, for that. She's just a sales guru, and uh, I think she's great, and I think you're really gonna love uh, her non-traditional answers uh, to the questions that we're gonna pose to her today. All right, our focus this month is gonna be on beating the four psychological behaviors that tend to stop a sale. And that's we're going to focus in today. Now, don't forget, some of you are joining me from 360 ad sales, uh, media sales side of the house. Awesome. Welcome to all of you folks. We've got people from 360 IT sales uh, training uh, that have been uh, joined us at sales training world as we try to help you with your corporate sales training from an IT and software perspective. We work in 16 different industries. So really there's not a lot <laughs> of industries that we haven't covered. After all, think about this. Sales is sales. It's a transferable skill, but what are we gonna do to be the best we can be in each one of our niches? So let's focus in on our topic today, beating the four psychological behaviors that often stop a sale, and then we're going to get uh, Shamika's input on this as well. You probably would agree with me, sales success is truly about understanding what makes your prospect tick. What's inside of their little pea-brained head that will stop them from making a decision with you or giving you an answer of yes. I try to start every day with yes as the mindset. There's literally hundreds of books and sales training seminars to attend on improving your sales career. That's one of the, that's what we do. But as we think about this, I want to talk more uh, about the psychology behind this than call volume and and writing proposals and strategies, I want to dig a little bit deeper. i found that if you truly understand what makes the quote-unquote normal human tick, you can really work with them to overcome your, their fears and, and close more deals. I mean, after all our prospects are normal people too, right? Well, maybe. (laughs) If you've been selling as long as I've been selling, hopefully you're laughing. Uh, Hopefully you're laughing right now. All right, after 25 years of sales and marketing being in this business, I have heard nearly every excuse when it comes to sales goal failure. Uh, From the economy to working for a jerk. I mean, you're only as good in the sales game as your ability to adapt and to overcome to the situations before you and around you. So it's really not about having the number one product in the market. I mean, that's great. And it's really not about making 85 outbound calls per day. Call volume is important, but that's a strategy. Let's think about psychology. It's really about basic human behaviors, okay? So let's ask some hard questions uh, to dig deep in this topic. So why do prospects act afraid when we call them? Why are they so reluctant to try new things? Why is their first answer no? Why are they not looking to save money? I mean, this is a no-brainer. Why are they not responding, you might think. I took a look at these questions and started to begin to change my thoughts on this a little bit. I began to look at the four things that drive human behavior. I usually when I'm teaching this and coaching on this, I call these four ideas my four way stop block. It's like a it's like when you come to a stop sign at a regular intersection and it says stop and underneath it says always. I mean, there's a stop sign in every corner. Meaning these are the four things that stop you from closing a deal. Here's the four things and then we're gonna dissect them. Number one, people don't do business with strangers, okay? Number two, people don't like change. Number three, people don't buy what they don't understand. And number four, people don't like to make decisions. All right, so let's break those down, those four things. Number one, people don't do business with strangers. You probably would agree with me Since birth, you've been taught not to talk to strangers. Maybe your grandma, maybe your mom, maybe your dad, maybe your grandpa, aunt, uncle, whatever, taught you not to talk to strangers. Now, if you weren't taught that, I'm glad that you're still here with us today. (laughs) But since birth, it has been ingrained in you not to talk to strangers. So because of that, it shouldn't be strange to you to think even for an instant That your prospects don't want to talk to you because really, truly, they don't know you. So, what do you do to try to overcome that? For me, and we're gonna, we have a question that was sent in uh, by Robin that we're gonna ask Shamika for her input on this here in just a couple of minutes. For me, it's about going to LinkedIn, it's about going to their company Facebook page, it's about looking for non creepy information that allow me to better create a connection with that person. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for connection points. Because we know that people don't do business with strangers, we need to wrap our arms around and embrace the technology that's in front of us to find points of connection. I'm not just looking for talking points. I'm looking for connection points. I'm looking for alumni connections on LinkedIn. I'm looking to see on Facebook, um, do we have a common connection in terms of maybe a love of sports in my case? Maybe a love of tennis, in my case, golf, coffee, travel. I mean, there's so many things. People often ask me, well, Ryan, that's all great, but what do you do with that? How do you come across as as not being creepy? My thought is this. I typically will say to a prospect, in preparation for our call, I was doing some research and I came across this about you. I find that that is very powerful to people because they know that you're relevant. You're trying to do your homework. You're trying to create some connection points. And Robin, one of our listeners to the podcast, uh, has a question as it relates to that. We're gonna pop that over and present that uh, here to Shamika Tankerson in just a second. So that's the first. People won't do business with strangers, so you have got to figure out ways to beat that stranger danger. I'm looking for specific information on their product, non-creepy personal information. And it's not about going to Facebook and saying, oh, wow, I saw you went to Aruba with your family. You know, that's, that's not as much as it's about finding out other ways to professionally connect. That's number one. Number two, if you really want to be successful, the behavior you need to overcome is understanding that people don't like change. They just don't. If you ask most adults to name two things they hate, they will probably say they hate change and making decisions, probably. Now, I like change. I'd move every couple of years just to keep up, you know, be kind of fun. I like that kind of stuff. I change restaurants. Um, I change my shoes. I change colors that are my favorite color. You know, when I was a kid, my favorite color was green and it's red and now it's blue. I love blue. So as a salesperson, you must really fully understand that you're asking this person to make a change from nothing to, to something, or you're asking them to switch from a competitor to you. I mean, either way, you're asking them, in some case, some way, shape, you're asking them to make some type of change. So what can you do to make this change easier for them to tolerate? For me, the answer is found in success stories. Success stories. So what I mean by that is, the answer is in having success stories that you can share. I have at least 10 really good, relevant success stories to share. I wrap my entire sales presentation, my conversations, my pitch, all around success stories. In my sales training workshops, if I was to come to your office, one of the things, or if I was to coach you is, okay, tell me what are your four best success stories? Because people love success. They love it. They love to surround themselves with successful people. I mean, at least least most people do, right? So I really want you to dig deep and think about who are companies that are working with you now or who are clients that are working with you now that have had great success working with you. And what you want to do is you want to figure out to make change easier, you want to create success story scenarios. And those success story scenarios allow you to help people understand that they're not alone. There's an old joke out there. How do you tell the pioneers from everybody else on the open range? The pioneers are the ones with the arrows in their back, okay? They're the ones that are out there all alone. People don't want to be a pioneer. They don't want to be a pioneer. Instead, what they want to be is they want to be in a situation where they know they have some great success. And that's in a very, very important piece. They want to be in a situation where they can have success. Most people don't want to be that first pioneer out on the open range. They're not looking to take on the arrows. They're looking for success. They want to follow a path of success. All right? So number one, people don't do business with strangers. So we want to do some research on people before we talk with them, create some connection points. Number two, people don't like change. So we're going to focus in on success stories to help people with that change. All right, the third thing that most people don't like is most people they really truly don't buy things that they don't understand. Okay, most people typically don't buy things that they don't understand. Do you buy things on blind understanding? I mean, you go out and spend money on things that you you don't understand. The answer is no. So, because people by nature are adverse to risk, the success success stories uh, from the first and second steps are helpful. But for me, I want to hedge my bets by asking great questions and then backing up those great questions with visuals, answers with visuals. A lot of salespeople are known for talking the majority of the sales call. Um, I do talk a lot (laughs) and I should work on that, but I back that up with a lot of visuals. All right. So first, though, questions, then backing up those questions with visuals. First. I have 10 critical sales questions that I ask. Uh, Some of you, when I've spoken at your conferences and things like that, that's a topic of conversation. 10 critical sales questions. And I don't ask stupid questions like, tell me, what keeps you up at night? That is overused. Uh, It's just, it's no. Much, much better questions than that. I'm a lot more relevant based upon things I learn online. So I've got great questions to ask. And then what I'm going to do is going to back up, if they've got answers to those questions, I'm going to back up those answers, give them some rebuttals, objection handling, but I'm going to use visuals, okay? I'm going to use visuals in that mix. And so what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to think about the level of comprehension. I'm going to try to think about what can I do to help them best understand what I'm selling and how it will meet a need of theirs, So the questions that I'm going to ask are very focused and very needs-based. So one of those questions, rather than saying, what keeps you up at night, one of my go-to questions is, for example, if we could create the perfect solution for you, if this product could fix a particular problem for you, what would that problem be? And when they give me an answer, then I'm going to add a visual to the mix. So our product does this. Let me show you. And then I will place either a PDF in front of them that I've sent via email. I might use a slide deck. I might be on GoToMeeting or Join.me and share my screen. I am going to ask a critical question. I am going to get their answer. And then I'm going to back up with my answer that I'm going to give or my objection handling or my debate or whatever you want to say. I'm gonna back that up with a visual, a strong visual. Now, keep in mind, visuals, according to 3M Marketing, visuals are 60 times more likely to be comprehended, okay? 60 times more comprehension when it comes from a visual than when someone says it, and so because of that, it's not as much about bars and graphs and a show and tell as it is about simple presentation tools. Think back to kindergarten, it's very important. How did you learn to read? How did you learn to write? Looked around the room, there's an A. Next to the A was an apple. There's a B. Next to the B was a ball or a bat. Then there was the letter C. What is always next to C? If you said carrot, you're wrong. C, cat, okay? So for me, it's important to understand that I'm gonna use grids and I'm gonna use graphs and visuals, but I'm not gonna be overwhelming. I'm gonna keep it simple, stupid. I'm going to use the KISS scenario there. I'm going to keep it simple, but I want everybody to understand if we're going to be successful in helping people buy our products, especially if they're complex, then we're going to need to add visuals to the mix. All right. Then I've got step number four, but let's back up. Let's go through them all again. All right. People don't do business with strangers. People don't like change. People don't buy what they don't understand. And then number four, people don't like to make hard decisions. I mean, they just don't. Do you like to make hard decisions? It's imperative that you make it very easy for people to buy from you or your company. In addition to that, you really need to be very clear how your solutions are going to solve their problems. Save them time. Make them money or whatever it is. Good questioning. But if you're hosting great sales calls and you're presenting a ton of proposals and you're still not reaching your goals, the ideas presented in this step are probably going to be where you're off a little bit in your game. People don't like making hard decisions. Recently, I noticed that uh, people were taking as long as 14 days to return my agreements. In some cases, the client would uh, say on the phone, hey, I'm ready to go. And then I'd send them the contract. It'd take forever. And then I came across this product that's been around for a while called DocuSign. And I began to present my contracts in an electronic way. I made it easy for them to sign my contract. Last week, I got one back in 47 seconds. Now, I have some cases it takes longer than that. That's one of those, quote, results not always typical. But for me, I'm making it easy for them to make a decision. Maybe you're breaking down a large payment into more manageable chunks. Maybe you're installing in phases. Maybe you're adding training to the mix at no additional charge. Or whatever the scenario is. A coaching client of mine discovered that in their contract, it contained a paragraph that always caused a lot of issues. I mean, it was a legal paragraph that always caused a problem. I said, well, why don't you change that paragraph? Oh, and they did, and the problem went away. So a lot of times, it's figuring out why are people not signing our contracts? Why are people not signing our agreements? Now, all four of these steps are very much going to go together because if you think about it, There's no end to the ideas that can help in this part of the process, making it easy. You know, there was a company not that long ago that said, hey, we're going to go with free delivery. Free delivery, free delivery. They switched from a $5 delivery charge to free delivery. Boom, they immediately had more customers. Sometimes it's the simplest thing, but you first need to determine what you can do to help your clients in making a decision to do business with you laying out a path that you want them to follow to make this decisions in my sales training seminars i always present a process it's a sales process by nature i'm not a process oriented guy but i like a process cuz i want something to follow okay i want something very easily to follow all right don't forget As we get into our user questions here, our listener questions, don't forget, people don't buy from strangers. So fight that game. Number two, people don't like change. Number three, people don't buy what they don't understand. And number four, people don't like to make hard decisions. So make it as easy as possible for them to make a decision to do business with you. All right, let's get over to our listener questions. We have listener questions today sent in from Robin from Tampa. Hey, Robin. Melissa from Chicago, go Cubs. Marcus from Las Vegas. And then uh, we've uh, always are, are loved to have your questions uh, sent in to us. Send them into Ryan at RyanDorn.com. D-O-H-R-N, Ryan at RyanDorn.com. All right, friends, as promised, I am absolutely, you, you guys have no idea how thrilled I am to have Shamika Tankerson on the show with us today. I'm so unbelievably thrilled. This is great for so many reasons. Number one, this is just one super cool chick. And I'm telling you folks that we are so fortunate. You might have seen Shamika on uh, CBS in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, She's a best-selling author. Her favorite color is purple, which I love because it's my wife's favorite color. And Shamika, I am just thrilled uh, to have you on the podcast. So thanks for giving us some time today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, that's great. Well, I know you have some great advice to share and um, you've all already warned me that you love to roll uh, you know, with the punches. And so I'd love if you're cool with it. I'd love first though to find out before we get to our listener questions, which is by far the most popular part of the show, I'd love really kind of to find out, Shamika, what makes you, you? Oh my gosh. So let me start with
0: some of the boring stuff. So <laughs> I'm a sales strategist and I work with High performance women, you know, like the ambitious, go-getter type. I work with them to boldly acknowledge the massive value that they bring to the table because I know they've got mad skills. They know they've got mad skills, so I help them to charge more and sell more without apologizing for it. So that's sort of the boring stuff about me. The cool stuff that I think, like my bragging rights, are like. Um, Of course, I'm a mom of three. Not of course, but I'm a mom. I've got three kids. Two of them are grown. I'm a CrossFit junkie. I love CrossFit. I've been CrossFitting for four years. Um, I'm super excited to be here with you, but this is what I always say about about myself. My clients have been known to call me a money-making badass, (laughs) and I say that I am the... Expert most likely to kick the door down wearing four inch stilettos.
1: That's me. (laughs) Uh, Right. I love that. I love that. And I can already sense that you're going to give some unbiased, uncensored advice on these questions that I'm going to throw your way.
0: Oh, most definitely. I think I take a, a little bit of a different approach. I mean, sales is sales. It, you know, It's a transferable skill, but I think I look at things a little bit differently and that's why I get some of the results that I get with my clients. So yes, I'm going to share with you exactly what comes up, how it comes up. So get ready, put your seatbelts on, put on your running
1: shoes. Let's go. All right. That's awesome. That's great. Well, one of our favorite parts of the show is listener questions. Um, I tried to find three or four that were really related to our topic this month, which is all related to... Everybody we're selling to, everybody has different behaviors. And so I'd love to throw uh, three questions your way and get your thoughts on this. The first one is from Robin from Tampa, Florida. And Robin asks, I'm trying to follow advice that, that uh, this would be advice that I would have given, Ryan would have given, I'm doing some research on people, uh, whether it's on LinkedIn, on their uh, company Facebook page, uh, on their company website, looking at press releases, Unfortunately, uh, Robin feels like she's really stalking people. So her question is, I use LinkedIn, I visit the company website, but I feel like I'm stalking people. When I'm reaching out to them to sell, how do I avoid coming across as a creepy stalker? Yeah, I think that's
0: a a really great question. And and I want to kind of give Robin a shift in perspective here. So many of us have heard, if you haven't heard, people buy from people they know, like, and trust. So one of the reasons why you're doing research, if you look at a, a shift in perspective there is so that you can know who your clients are so that you can find common ground, not necessarily just so you can see if you can sell to them or how you can sell to them. But that first few moments in the conversation when you reach out, the first thing you should be doing is trying to connect with them on some level. And the number one way that you can build no like, trust just like that is to find a commonality between you and
1: the person that you're going to be selling to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now when you're trying to figure out, do you just do you do pre-call research or do you just try to figure it out on the fly? Oh,
0: all day. I'm on Facebook. I'm like looking at their dogs and their puppies and their kids because I'm looking for that space where how is this person more like me than not? Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want to get on the phone and talk about the weather. Right. So I want to find something that's real, a real space of connection where I can either encourage the person or congratulate them for something that they've done and be genuine about it. Not like sleazy, slimy. I'm just trying to get through this first portion of my sales conversation structure, but like legit legitimately, like, oh my gosh, you know, I saw your kid just graduated from high school. Congratulations. I like to do my research and know who I'm talking to. And you know, people appreciate that that you take the time to find out who they are and care about what they
1: are about. I totally agree with you. I feel like being relevant is more important now than it's ever been before because there's so many people calling us that are so generic. The emails are generic, the voicemails are generic. And every now and again, I just wish somebody would know something about me. Even if it does seem creepy, I wish they would at least try. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I really believe that most people, the majority of people do appreciate that so much because mo- like you said, most people who call them or who connect with them, they're not really connecting. They have what they want to sell in their mind, and they're just trying to get through their agenda. And we're in this high tech, low touch society. People crave that connection. And if you can take just a moment to really find a place to connect with people, your conversation um, will highly likely lead to a sale. How do you feel? Do you use LinkedIn a lot? How do you feel about it? um I probably use Facebook more than I use LinkedIn okay. um but I also feel like on LinkedIn it's you know you find out more about businesses than you do about the person themselves and I think the key with this kind of research so there's one thing to research here's who the company is or here's who the person is and here's the need that they have and I think LinkedIn is great for that but when it comes to personality and finding and building that no like trust factor and that common ground, if you can just slip on over to Facebook, I think you will find that it's much more powerful for that.
1: I really don't feel like it's creepy, um, based on Robin's question. I think that it's just smart. Do you feel like it's just, its if you're a smart salesperson, this is what you do?
0: Yeah, you know, the feeling of being creepy, I always tell people, if you feel like you're being creepy or slimy or sleazy, it's likely because you are, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's not in what you're doing. It's it's why you're doing it. It's your motive behind it. So I would say check your own motive. Check why are you doing it? Are you doing it because somebody told you to do it? Or are you doing it because you genuinely care about the prospect?
1: Yeah, I agree. I've, I've often found, and if you have, I've found uh, connections, alumni connections through uh, colleges. I've found uh, places we both have worked in the past and all kinds of things like that. Yeah, those
0: are all amazing things, especially things like alumni connections. Like that's like, I want to just say
1: "Kaching!" <laughs> exactly. Show me the money on that one. <laughs> all right, cool. That's some good thoughts. I've got a question uh, from Melissa in Chicago, and she's asking, our product is very expensive. I understand that people are reluctant to change unless they really have a good reason. What can I do to help people at least give me a chance to show them that switching to our product will save them time, effort, and money. I'd appreciate your advice on that. What are your thoughts?
0: Hi. So the first thing I think about when I hear a question like that is this old adage of a salesperson trying to force something down someone's throat. Like, you got to have my product. You got to buy it. It does this and it does that. And really, if we take a step back, what you want to think about is, how can you get in front of people who already know they have the problem that you solve or they are already looking for the product that, you're, or that you have that solves, solves the problem? And instead of convincing people that they need to have what you are offering, you're in front of people who already know they need it. You just need to connect it with why. That makes a huge difference. You don't feel like you're trying to push, cajole or convince somebody to buy from you. So if you're doing lead generation where it's like cold calling or something like that, look in ways who's already looking for the product that you already that you are offering. That's the place that I would start instead of trying to take a step back and look at, you know, how can I convince people to listen to me so that they can switch how can you begin to talk to more people or where can you find pockets of more people who are already looking for what you offer?
1: Yeah, I really agree with that. I think that overall people tend to spend way too much time trying to uh, to sell. I really feel like the less you sell, the more you sell. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And it changes the game as a salesperson. You know, you feel differently about selling. Selling is amazing for me. It's powerful. It's a, it's the space where you help to be a, a facilitator of a decision for most people. Whatever you're selling for most people can change someone's life. It can change their business. It can change their body. It can, it can change their relationships. Um, it can change their state of being and their state of mind. And so we have a very powerful, when we're salespeople, we hold a very powerful position. Mm-hmm. And I think when we get into the convincing and the conjoling and 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 trying to pull people through to our products and our services, we get in a disempowered position. That makes where we sense. feel like we're begging, you know, and that's no place to be. You're not going to make any money feeling like that. It's all about how you feel when you're doing it.
1: Yeah. wow, well, uh, just such a good point. Putting yourself in a subservient position as a salespeople is not good. Not at all. Now, she did say in here, um, she's trying to convince them, that switching to her product will save them time, effort, and money. I don't know exactly where those three, time, effort, and money, would come from. Do you feel like maybe is she off as it relates to time, effort, and money? Are those three powerful factors um, that maybe she should be thinking about changing those around a little bit?
0: Yeah, you know, it brings me to this point of – You know, it's not even that those are, whether they're powerful factors or not. Where did she get them from? Mm -hmm. Who told her that that was the most important to the client she's trying to sell to? So that's the other thing is, you know, people don't buy for our reasons, they buy for theirs.
1: Mm -hmm. And in
0: our conversations, we need to find out what those reasons are. And I think likely she may find that the conversation may go her direction, the direction she wants it to go. She just took a step back. And instead of trying to convince them of the reasons why they should buy, find out what is an important reason why they might want to switch to what she has and then sell them from that point.
1: No, that makes sense. A lot of times, do you feel that people try to go direct to the source to find that out rather than doing research? Or do you feel like you should go directly to the person and just try to get it right from the horse's mouth?
0: Yeah, I definitely feel like you got to get it from the horse's mouth. Like you could do research all day long about why most people buy, but that doesn't mean the person sitting across from you or the person on the phone with you is it, it doesn't mean that that's their reason. So we got to find out what the person on the phone. Or the person who's sitting across from us, we have to figure out what their reason for buying, what's their why? What's their reason for needing to change today?
1: Yeah, I like that. What's their why? I hope all of you that are listening caught that. What's their why? I think that's a title. Is that that's not a title of one of your books, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> all right. So right. I'm gonna copyright no, I'm not, it right I'm now. Right right yeah, right now. Oh, <laughs> see, we both said it at the same time. Jinx, you owe me a code. Like,
0: who's that? <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, Marcus from Las Vegas has a good question uh, for us. The service I sell is really robust. Think email on steroids. Okay. So, but also it's very, very complex. It's a very complex sell. So Marcus says, I'm having trouble getting prospects to give me enough time to explain all the cool things it can do. They cut me off after 60 seconds and just want to know the price. Any advice on that?
0: (laughs) So we're we're right back to that, you know, people buy for their reasons and not yours. But I, I think with Marcus, we can go a little bit deeper here. And one of the number one reasons I think most salespeople, when they're not doing well and they fail and they don't have a high closing ratio, is because they don't have a structure. They're winging it in every conversation. And not just a script to follow, but a structure that takes people through in their mind the buying decision that happens when we're when we're deciding to buy in our brains there's questions that come up and so I think with the with a really powerful structure Marcus can you can actually shift this and this is what I mean every step along the way in your sales conversation you should be doing asking for permission to move forward to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. And the very first place that you should start once you've built that connection with someone is to set an agenda for what you would like to happen. So I've often had people jump on a call with me sometimes and say things like, "Um, I just want to know how much it is. And I'll say, you know what, Um, Mr. Prospect, I, I get that. And I understand that. And heck, I'd probably be there Two And I understand that you probably don't have a lot of time right now. I only need about 15, 20 minutes of your time. And here's what will happen. If you can give me a moment to find out exactly what you're looking for. So I can ask you a few questions. I mean, just basically setting an agenda. I can ask you a few questions and then I can figure out if I can support you, what I have that will support you. And then I'd be more than happy to share with you what the price is. Is that uh, fair enough?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I find that a lot of salespeople live in random land and they're okay yes. with it. And it's a scary place to be. I think it's because we,
0: we come up learning and thinking and believing that that's how it's supposed to be in sales. You're supposed to be scared of not knowing where your next sale is going to come from. You're supposed to be expecting all of these objections and all of these things to happen, right? We expect the no before we ever get on the phone. And I'm like, no, I'm expecting yeses. And I'm expecting to know exactly what my strategy is to know how many sales conversations I'm going to have, how many sales I'm going to make. If we can make that shift to, to do it on purpose and not in happenstance or whatever happens land, I think you know, we'll change our own lives and definitely make more sales.
1: Yeah, that's really a good point. Random land is just, it's a scary place to be. I like to tell folks when you get up in the morning, if you really don't know where you're going, that's a fairly scary thought. Raises your stress level, stresses out your partner, your spouse, whatever, uh, stresses you out. I always tell people, I want to go to happy hour at the end of the day because I want to go, not because I need to go. (laughs) 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 You know? Um, I also, you know, when you when you think about randomness and, and predictable patterns, um, is there a certain pattern that you follow day in and day out as it relates to growing your business? Do you do you, for example, the night before do things like set your agenda for the next day? Or do you time block? Or what are some of those things you do every single day religiously, Shamika?
0: Yeah, so I definitely time block as a whole. So not necessarily blocking time every day, but I know that on Mondays, that's my office hours and I have, you know, some time block for calls. I know I do sales calls on Tuesdays. Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, I know I do coaching calls with my clients on Thursday. So I have time blocks in that regard so that I'm not walking around with a chicken with my head cut off. Like one day I'm doing coaching and one day I'm doing sales calls and I just feel like I'm blowing with the wind. So that's super important. And I also have a morning ritual that I do. And some people think I'm crazy for this, but I actually spend two hours, um, in the morning with self-care, I don't even start my work day until like 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, oh, my gosh, <laughs> there's no way. Um, because I have to get grounded. Um, I found being a salesperson for as long as I have and being a commission salesperson for as long as I have and moving into the CEO of my own company and firm now. Um, what would happen is I would, my feet would hit the ground in the morning and I would be in panic mode. Oh my gosh, I got to do this. I got to do something. You know, I got to get moving. I got to make sales because I am the creator of my own income, right? If I don't make sales, I don't make money. And this has been the answer to me to slow down, make sure I feed myself, feed my soul, feed my spirit, and then get clear and clarity about what my day is supposed to look like look at my schedule. I journal sometimes, but I spend a full two hours. And today was one of those days where I was up early. I was up at like seven and I usually don't wake up that early, Um, but I was up at around seven and I was thinking, oh my gosh, there's things I need to do. And I had to tell myself, Shamika, you know what? Slow down. Mm -hmm. It's all good. Mm -hmm. You've You've got a process, you've got a system and it works. And right now you just need to take time to get grounded. And It happened like three times. It's like, oh my gosh, I need to do something. I need to get to work. I need to jump on the computer. There's stuff I need to do. It's all gonna get done.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Where do you see most salespeople and entrepreneurs? Where do you see them failing? Like, is there a common area they fail non-stop? Is it is that not getting grounded? Is that one of those areas, or are there other areas where salespeople and entrepreneurs just consistently fail over and over again?
0: Yeah, I you know, I think that is one. That's one big area, the not getting grounded, you know, feeling like they got to be selling all the time and grinding all the time and feeling like more putting more work in is going to yield more results. Um, and a lot of times I like to look at people and go, how's that working out for you? You right. know, sometimes you got to slow down and be strategic about what you do. Um, but I would say aside from that, the number one thing that I think um, really affects people when they're having these conversations or connecting with people is focusing more on themselves than on the prospect. They're focusing more on what they desire. Um, You know, they take a yes or no as a personal offense to themselves. Someone says, no, oh my gosh, I must suck, right? Right. (laughs) Or I did something wrong. And I think if we could focus more on our prospects and less on what we desire the outcome to be, you're actually going to have a higher closing ratio as a result because you're going to be listening more and you're going to be moving with what the client is giving you as feedback.
1: That makes sense. You know, I'm I'm starting to I'm really digging um, all the things that you're sharing. I'm trying to figure out: Are you more of a data person? Are you more of a process person? Are you more of a relationship person when you're teaching people to sell? Or is it a hybrid kind of? Where do you guide people?
0: Yeah, I am um, a very eclectic person. <laughs> And I think that's one of the reasons why my clients love me. Here's here's what I've noticed. Um, I've been in sales a very long time, more than 20 years. Um, I think I had my first sales job at like 19. It was just crazy. Um, And that was commission sales as well. So I learned old school sales and I learned to read scripts and do all of those kinds of things. And here's when I started to do this for myself and started to teach this to people. I thought, okay, let me just show them how to overcome objections and show them the tactics and show them the strategies. Mm -hmm. And here's what I noticed over the years in my work in helping mostly women, because men don't usually have a lot of the problems that I talk about, but um, they do sometimes as well, but mostly women grow their businesses and their sales. I started to notice this pattern. It didn't matter how much strategy or scripts I gave to my clients and no matter how experienced or talented they were when they showed up to work with me. A lot of them were afraid. They were afraid of selling. They were resistant to taking big, bold actions to grow their business to the level that they wanted to. And the reason why was because they had these underlying fears, like they didn't think they were good enough, experienced enough, credentialed Mm -hmm. enough, popular enough. There's all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what I figured out is that really people's beliefs impact their courage, their certainty, their confidence. And it really chips away at their self-esteem and their ability to sell. Hmm. And that realization shifted me from simply working with strategy in my clients' businesses to the work I now do around those fears and shining a light on them and bringing them forward and and uprooting them, their own personal power and their beliefs when it comes to money and selling and all of those things. Um, So the core problem, not a lot to do with strategies and sales, a Mm lot, and not a lot to do with tactics, but a a lot... to do with who they were being and how they were showing up in the world. So I'm a very powerful mix of the two. Lots of strategy and structure, but a lot of this inside game stuff.
1: I love that. So you're more you're kind of a sales psychologist. I I like that. I guess I could be that. I could be a psychologist. <laughs> I like it. No. But yeah,
0: that's... I challenge my clients a lot to to just really challenge their fears. As a matter of fact, I try to lead by example. So last weekend, I actually jumped out of a plane.
1: Whoa. So, <laughs> like an actual, like a Delta flight or like pre-planned? What was, what's that all about?
0: Pre, pre-planned, I went skydiving. Um, I did a 13,000 foot jump. I was scared as nice. heck to do it, but I'm always challenging my clients to, Challenge the fears they have in other areas so that when it comes to making big, bold decisions in your business or going after big contracts or having huge sales conversations that can mean thousands or millions, tens of thousands or millions of dollars, that you know what it feels like. It's like my soul remembers how to do this and you can just do it. If I can jump out of a plane, I can do this.
1: Yeah, I love it. That's great. Hey, tell me more about how uh, your clients work with you. Um, tell, me what, um, you know, some, tell me about some of your programs. I know you've got the Sell More program and some things like that. Um, I'd love for you to just tell me a little bit more about how people that might be listening, how can they, how can they engage with you and work with you and things like that?
0: Yeah. So, you know, most of my clients who come to me, um, I do a one day event called Sell More. And that's where I walk people through this realization that, oh, shoot, there's some other stuff that's in the way. It's not just about the next greatest script that's out there. Because here's what I believe you can go pick up any script off the internet or you can go buy anybody's sales program out there. They all work because sales is sales, right? It's Uh a learned skill, it's transferable. Um, But the thing that the common denominator that you can't change from sales program to sales program is who you are and who you're being. And so that's the first place I like to start with people. Um, Now everybody's not in California, which is where I am in Southern California. Um, So I want to give people a couple of places where they can connect with me just to get started. Um, I teach on live events. I do three day intensives where I walk people through Crazy stuff (laughs) challenging their beliefs and sales. We sell in the room. Um, I bring in um, one of my colleagues who is actually a neuroscientist. so we actually look at people's brains to see like when higher dollar amounts are introduced into the conversation or when an objection is introduced in the conversation, what neurons are firing off in your brain. And we cool. actually do work on, you know, breaking that stuff up and creating new neural pathways so they can feel more confident in their sales conversation. So that's a lot of fun. I love doing that. Um, but two places. So I have a, an online group on Facebook. That's totally free. It's called the Dare to Go Get It Tribe. And in there, I do lots of free training and um, really just helping people to start to open up to what's possible for them in selling when they look at their inside game as well as their outside game. And the way that you get there is you can just go to um, powerplayerslive.com. It'll take you straight to Facebook. Just request to join. Again, that's powerplayerslive.com. You can connect with me there. Um, I would love to have you. Totally free to hang out with us there. I do challenges there. We do trainings, all kinds of stuff happens. Um, And then the second place that I would love to send people to is a challenge, a five-day challenge that I have put together that is called the Go Get It Challenge. Now, the Go Get It Challenge is all about taking these courageous actions that I've been talking about just recently, that we've just been talking about. I'm not going to ask you to jump out of a plane, though. That'd be awesome. (laughs) In the Go Get It Challenge, every day you'll receive one video challenging you to overcome the five most common fears that I believe keeps most salespeople from creating the income and earning the income that they desire. So in order for you to get there, you're just going to go to bit.ly forward slash Go Get It Challenge.
1: Cool. B-I-T-L-Y. Forward slash go get it challenge. All one word, no spaces, nothing?
0: B I T dot L Y forward slash go get it challenge. All one word, all lowercase. Uh, That's awesome.
1: This has been a great conversation, Shamika. I sure am thrilled that uh, we got connected. Look forward to uh, hanging out and uh, meeting you in person. And I hope everybody appreciates the fact that so many sales professionals like Shamika, Dan, some others in the past are giving of their time to come on uh, this podcast and and present and give all kinds of helpful advice. Because I know every time I talk to powerful people uh, like you um, I learned something and I get inspired. And right now I am fired up. I think I'm gonna go jump out of a plane at some point.
0: Go for it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just gotta get up and just gotta go for it. So, all right, well, on behalf of Robin and Melissa and Marcus and uh, all the listeners of the Sales Training World Podcast, uh, Shamika Tackerson, we sure appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your busy schedule. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. I appreciate you. All right, friends, and that's our podcast for the month of August 2017. My name is Ryan Dorn here at Sales Training World. Love to come to your office, to your conference, and speak to your team. As a matter of fact, bring Shamika and I together. I guarantee you, you put the two of us on a stage, we're going to light that place on fire. We're going to have some fun together. Hey, don't forget, you can always reach out to me. Your first coaching call with me is always absolutely free. Ryan at ryandorn.com. If you want to book that coaching call, go to salestrainingworld.com. And love to come to your office. You know, I'm doing a lot of training on GoToWebinar. Now, I just trained a team in Manhattan and I sat here in my studio in Beach Island, South Carolina, and trained that team on GoToMeeting. We shared our webcams and it was great. So if you're interested in that, uh, give us a call and check it out. I've got John uh, on my team now as well, who's also uh, a certified business and sales coach. I'd love to hook you up with John and the industries he served. He's worked for Michelin and AAA and a bunch of folks. So reach out to us. We're here to help. And that's what sales training world is all about. All right. Don't forget, friends, if sales was easy, everybody be doing it and they're not. So uh, we're either crazy or we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. Thanks once again to Shamika Tankerson. We really appreciate you, Shamika, and uh, so thrilled to have her on the show. And Look forward to having her back again. Send your questions in, ryan at ryandorn.com, D-O-H-R-N. And friends, we'll see you out on the street.